Sorry, can't say. What's that word you use? Spoilers. I like that word. Hello and welcome to Spoiler Nation, the podcast where we have spoiler-filled discussions on some of our favorite and some of our not-so-favorite movies and TV shows. Today, in this episode, we are talking about the Amazon Prime TV series, uh, Game of Thrones hopeful, uh, <laughs> The Wheel of Time. And joining me to talk about this is the Dark One himself. <laughs> Uh, Ollie, I don't think you can you can uh, straight out of the bat. I don't think you can call it a a Game of Thrones hopeful because obviously it's a tier below that. You've said this to me before. This is how you explained it to me that it is definitely B compared to A tier. uh, You have to assume that when Amazon commissioned, obviously this uh, is a book written by Robert Jordan and commissioned, you know, adapted by Rafe Judkins. I think the guy's name is Rafe Judkins under the advisement of. Brandon Sanderson, who of course continued the series. C- yeah, book he worked series. off uh, Robert Jordan's notes once he passed away to finish the last few books. That's right. Series. So yeah, this is of course um, based on uh, the Wheel of Time uh, high fantasy uh, series of novels uh, written by, uh, as we've said before, Rob- Robert Jordan, and then uh, which is for maybe the first. 14 books? Yeah, I think, it was, I think it was 14 books in total. So he wrote like 11 of them and then his notes were to be for the last book to finish up. But because the notes were so extensive, they had to like expand that into three books. I see. So yeah, and then... Um, and of Could course, have been a money grab as well, I don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, maybe, you know, you have to, you know, round out the series, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, so He had a know, lot to work with by that point. So, yeah, exactly, exactly. It's kind of unraveling. So yeah, and Brandon, Brandon Sanderson, of course, is... Uh, and a famous author or, you know, a bona fide author in his own right. Yeah, he's, in a, he's a good fantasy writer. He's actually probably most well-known in writing circles for his teaching. He has a lot of all his lectures of creative writing up for free on YouTube. And he's an excellent teacher. I've learned a lot from him. Hmm. So, you know, now, Ollie, you have read most of the books? I've read all the books. All um, I'd say, like, the whole series through and then half the series again through the, the good stuff i think in book circles like the first four to five books are meant to be like the juiciest and the best mm-hmm. and then yep. kind of robert jordan falls to a bit of like i don't know meandering and <laughs> politics and like this sounds very familiar <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, you kind of get sumped down I'm, I'm not exactly sure what was going on there maybe it was just the how much he built up in the first five books he mm-hmm. had to try to find a way to uh to work through it yeah, so um, uh, so very much like Game of Thrones, it's based on a high fantasy, or well, it's based on a fantasy novel. I think you could even say that Game of Thrones was like not quite as high fantasy. Aimed it, it, as, it's not, yeah, and it's a little bit different. I feel like because well, Robert uh, George R. R. Martin had experience with TV writing beforehand, so he almost like expected this and aimed uh, for it to be for TV. Yes. Whereas Robert Jordan was like building Books. this whole universe, this whole world. So it seemed like he had no intention or he w- wasn't in the forefront of his mind how this would adapt to a television thing, which is kind of, it kind of plays into, because I think to begin with, he was commissioned to write three books. Mm, and the mm. first book, you can see how that could be related to a trilogy because it mm. same, seems to be like a lot has happened and a lot of uh, progress has happened. Mm. But then like 
like I said, how the story kind of got kind of carried away from him. Everything got carried away. I if see. you turn a three book series into a fucking fourteen book series, it's that's a, it's a lot of expansion, a lot of meandering. I don't know. He does. There is complaints about his writing because sometimes he will spend like a page or half a page describing how someone's dressed. Uh-huh, uh-huh. That's one of the things that actually attracted me to the book series so much is like the way it's written, the amount of characters, the amount of depth. It's almost like war and peace in that sense. I see. I see. Interesting. Mm. Well, look, but we are not here to review. <laughs> We're not here to talk about the books per se. Yeah. We are talking about the TV adaptation. Yeah. Swear your oath, Moraine Sedai. I swear to speak no word that is not true. To make no weapon with which one person may kill another. And never to use the one power as a weapon. Do you know what Aes Sedai means in the old tongue? Servants of all. It is they who serve the world. I didn't choose this path, but I will follow it. Where next? The two rivers. The old blood runs deep in those mountains. Let's hope it's prepared them for what's coming. The Dark One is waking. But there will be one who can stand against him. And it's one of the five of you. You fully lost your mind. Your life isn't going to be what you thought. Moraine. What are those? His army is coming. We protect the people we love. No matter the cost. Our enemies are everywhere. They will leave no one standing. We've lost too many people already. I can't lose you. You won't. If we do not stop the Dark One now, the whole world will burn. I can't allow it. I have not read any of the books, so I'm coming in. I've honestly never heard of this, uh, you know, book series until the show came out. So I'm coming in fresh. But of course, you're coming. And I'm in. coming in with incredible expectations. Exactly. Yes. So this exactly. is the the dynamic, I suppose. You could yeah. Say. Um, so you know, I'm going to rely on you to kind of you know expand on some of the concepts that uh, they've established on the show so far that maybe they didn't expand on. So you know, new listeners can or listeners who are new watchers can learn a bit more about yeah, yeah. the things that they don't address. So just a quick recap. Obviously, this follows um, Moraine. Yeah. Uh, Moraine. Uh, uh, who is an I Sedai. She's played by Rosamund Pike. You know, you might know her from uh, Gone Girl and I Care A Lot, uh, most recently, both amazing movies. And she, uh, I think this is a good, she's a, they've chose, they've picked the right actress to be like a good anchor point into the series. Yeah, so yeah, she yeah. plays an I Sedai who is kind of like... Almost like you Sean Bean if you're going to make those comparisons. Uh, that's that's yeah, right, that's yeah. right. And she has... Um, she has a purpose, which is to find these uh, teenagers um, who she thinks are basically, um, uh, who she suspects one of them is the dragon reborn. The hero of prophecy. Yeah, the, the chosen one. The one will save the world. Yeah, 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 in this universe. And she's kind of a, uh, I, I would say maybe a witch person. You know, she has, uh, as an Aes Sedai, she's, has magic and mm. she knows how to uh, uh, they call it the weave or the 
weave the wheel? Is that, it's, is it's, that it's, what It's a bit doing? different comparing the, the power to the actual ah, history or the, or the timeline. It's like the weave wheel weaves as the wheel wills. Okay. So that's talking about the age lace, how, the, uh, how time is constructed and how it plays out. Whereas right. what she does is she weaves the, the power. She channels it. And, uh, yeah, that's a whole complicated thing. Okay. Yeah, so I, I guess let's uh, a, a quick summation of the story is, and this is how this is how I see it. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, so yeah. with your virgin mind's eye, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you know, a long time ago, there was this. Um, uh, so in this universe, there is this thing called the One Power, right? And it's magic. Like it's magic. It's the source of the of magic in this world. And a long time ago, there was like a war between good and evil. And the leader of said evil, called um, aptly named the Dark One, uh, tried to tap into the one power to, you know, do stuff. But he, in the process, corrupted it specifically for the men in in this universe. So, um, of course, women, uh, the women... Uh, who are now referred to as the Aes Sedai, the, as in they're the women power wielders, um, they have to step in to save the day or pick or save the day or pick up the pieces. Yeah, that's kind of what they expanded on in the last episode with that yes. flashback. It's like, we have to clean up your mess. Essentially. Yeah. And uh, so as a result of that, uh, this is obviously thousands of years, years later, men who now, who, um, touches the one power and who uses magic eventually fall into madness because of how it's corrupted Mm. Um, but we focus on uh the kind of the two rivers five you know so we have these uh uh, so we have lan uh the redhead obvious main character um and then we have uh who is like studying to become a wisdom uh, who is like kind of the kind of the spiritual yeah guardian. like a wise woman almost yeah, like a healer a- exactly a healer and then we have uh, the person that she works uh, she is trained under who is Nynaeve who is she's the current wisdom and then we have Matt who is kind of the uh, kind of thief with the heart of gold <laughs> is what I, what's how, how I see yeah, him I think that works <laughs> and then we have Perrin uh, um, uh, who is I think the blacksmith. He's a blacksmith. That's a good That's way right. Of putting That's it, right. Yeah. He's the blacksmith. He has he has a wife and kid. Mm-hmm. Um, wait, no, he has a wife who is expecting. Yes, and uh, no and longer then, expecting. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. So Maureen comes in. Obviously, spoilers for the series. So watch this. Watch the show, and then come back uh, to us talking about it. So, um, so Maureen goes into this town. Um, and the the show is about her trying to get these kids together to figure out who is the dragon reborn who will who has been prophesized to stop the dark one to save the day. Classic this, kind of fantasy vibes, yeah, yeah, for sure. That's why this is one of the most popular kind of fantasy series out there. Mm. I think at least the books I'm doing. And uh, alongside her is uh, her warder, Lan. Um, who she spe- shares a special bond with. Um, <laughs> so, a magical so bond. Th- it's not a relationship. Yeah, it's an actual fi- magician, magical bond. Yeah. So one of the that's one of the kind of wild or out of unique concepts that the the book or the show 
mm. or the story has introduced. So, um, yeah. So I'll just so what we'll do is I'll just start with uh, my overall thoughts right now, and then I'll I'll jump on to you to as a book reader how uh, maybe you can talk more about how well did they adapt it or yeah. if the changes they made were positive or negative. Well, this is a big thing that comes up because I'm part of a Facebook group that actually talks about the differences. We talk about this a lot because it's, okay. it's like it's really hard for me to separate my understanding of the book from mm-hmm. the series. And this is typical with anyone that reads or mm-hmm. watches adaptations and you have to be able to separate them otherwise you're not going to enjoy yourself. Mm-hmm. So exactly. I'm almost – I can't even access your understanding of this series right now because it's literally – it comes as you completely fresh. Mm. Whereas for me, I'm comparing it against something. I'm. It, I think it's still a. It still is a worthwhile and fun experience to watch something this way. But I understand that. Yeah, it's a. It's a completely different experience because there is. You have a parallel universe yeah, that you're yeah, yeah. comparing, against, uh, comparing yeah. this against. So, um, so for me, I, um, when I first saw the first episode, I was like, "Oh, this is bad." <laughs> I was like, oh, this is, um, there is something about the way that the first episode is shot. I'm, I'm tempted to give it like pilot-itis where, you know, most pilot episodes of TV shows, they, they're, you know, sagged with the, the gargantuan task of basically c- uh, kind of expressing the concept of the show to, you know, the producers and, mm. and people who greenlight stuff and to the to test audiences. Yeah. So they have to quickly introduce all the characters and the function of how the show works. This is at the very least back in the day when network TV is a thing. Like, that's obviously come, you know, to varying degrees that's still done, being done. So I, if I'm being forgiving, that's might be you know the first episode just felt very rushed yeah, yeah. very um but you're only really interested when they actually start to have that battle that yeah combat. when there's action you know yeah. and, and and it's all quite generic as well so that was part of my issue i don't mind if you had to rush things to introduce the characters but um it was just very generic fantasy language you know it was that one thing we talked about after watching the first episode it was about like Perrin the blacksmith grabbing his wife and her being all (laughs) brooding and him being like I love you and it's like that's just horrible that's just really lazy writing exactly no one no one's saying anything specific about themselves Mm -hmm. and then uh when Moraine is introduced she's like obviously this is part of her character and and I love her now but she's very withholding but for a weird reason and uh and it was just the way that the story plays out and information is fed to us was really like it was kind of cheesy and i, I thought okay i don't know i think this is going to be a hate watch kind of show <laughs> <laughs> but then second episode this is what got me into the show that i'm that uh that i was like okay i will this is what kind of hooked me in in terms of okay i will what I will give you a chance mm. is the it's the very first scene in in the second episode where they introduce the white cloaks mm. um, and the way that they show how uh, I, I believe he chops off uh, one of the isodized hands yeah, to show yeah. that um, that is the way like number one it shows that he understands how the isodai works mm. and uh, the way that you clo- get a close up to all the rings that he's collected 
and the way that you know he acts, he tells us this a very specific story about. Um, There's a brutality to the dish because the flavor doesn't come only from the bird. Its bones and beak and feet cut the inside of your mouth. Not so much that it hurts, just enough that you bleed. Don't be afraid, girl. And I said I should know above all others that sometimes brutality is the only path to mercy. The way that first sequence is shot, it was like feeding us information in a very adept visual storytelling way. It's mm. not telling, it's not someone just saying, hey, this is what this is. And I thought, wow, where was this in the first episode? Yeah, yeah. You know, so that was what really got me into the show uh, uh, in for the long haul, at least for the first season. And I think overall, I enjoy it. Like, I'm having a blast watching it. It's not, um, it's not a prestige mm. drama. It's, uh, you know, it's definitely not Game of Thrones tier, mm. if, if that was what they're hoping for. But I think if people, uh, as a, you know, new watcher, I think if people, it's told in a way that is, um, s- streamlined enough that, you know, if we, temper our expectations and have some fun with it i think it it can be a quite a fun show um is it nuanced no i I, you know it's not (laughs) the the themes are very um at at this point characters are basically saying the themes at you you know and uh uh which which is fine but uh uh it's, it's it's essentially if i held it more to uh, Game of Thrones standard and it's just I know it's unfair but it's hard to avoid that comparison because obviously Amazon Prime it, like you can tell in the meeting rooms they're like where's our Game of Thrones yeah, yeah, so yeah. I think it's kind of fair to kind of but it was a sensational series like everyone was talking about right. it it is literally like cast a shadow over the genre right yeah exactly and and, uh, um, and I don't need everything to be like that but it does sometimes feel like the show wants to be Game of Thrones and it mm. tries for a few things it, to varying degrees of success. So it I, does, You did seem to hit the nail on the head in terms of the writing. The writing mm. seems to be a sense of like almost underdeveloped, um, a little, I'm not going to say half-baked. I just want to say it, it hasn't just, it's not, it's lacking in that sophistication. Mm. Mm. Yeah, And I think a big part comes to that because they have all these plot plans for the characters from the books, but then a lot of the, what you get from how they feel and what they're going through is done through free internal discourse. So literally them writing in their own heads, this is what I'm feeling, this is mm. what I'm going on. Mm. And then you try to explain that in dialogue and if you're not you know, adept at doing that, mm. it's going to come off clunky. kind of clunky. Yeah, yeah. 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 They're, they're Funky or melodramatic, which I think this this series has done has fallen victim to a lot. Mm. A lot of the drama seems melodramatic and uh, lacking. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't mind, you know. I don't mind melodrama as long as it's earned, you know. And I think for the in a very, I think this show does big picture quite well in terms of by the end of this episode we need to hit this emotion yeah, or by yeah, you know yeah. the so the structure of the episodes is 
cool because it leads to some really awesome moments that mm. that is quite fun to to witness and, and that's what keeps me going but um so that's my general thoughts uh, so far but uh what uh, what about you know the other if we turn the other page <laughs> <laughs> to see it from the other specific, uh, yeah yeah well it's um I don't know, you're right about the starting. I feel like people that I've talked to about it have been like, okay, it's gotten progressively better with mm. every episode, which there are aspects of it. Obviously, there are moments that seem a little bit um, poorly executed or you might want to question why they're, why they're there, mm. like that mm. whole sequence. I can't remember which episode. but was a sequence where they had like the water that killed himself and they spent like probably 20 minutes of an episode yes, yeah. expounding upon this grief that he was feeling. Yeah. So and that was the first time that we actually saw the white tower in, in yeah, its fruition. And yeah. it's the plot is centered around... Um, Stepan, the water whose who's uh, kind of Aes Sedai had been murdered. Yeah, y- yeah exactly. Um, and so a, a criticism of that would be that you spent 20 minutes putting this thing in that wasn't really essential to the plot. And there is so much that was essential to the plot in that part of the books that could have been put in its place. It just feels like... It was developing these characters in a way that wasn't really helping the plot in any way. Mm. And I feel like with as much source material as you have, you have to be adept mm. in, in doing these things where you can not just show this character grieving and show this character having emotion, but you need to be able to do three of those things in one scene. Mm. You need to be able to show that he's grieving, but also show that he's a leader amongst his men, amongst that amongst that so he's also subservient to the White Tower and he's good at self-sacrificing. I feel like there wasn't enough for how much time they spent on it. Not enough mm. was established mm. for the actual storyline. Right. It seemed to be self-indulgent. But that, again, I'm starting to think that that is essentially the writers falling in love with this land character. Because mm. I, I said it to you in that last episode. He is the male equivalent of a Mary Sue. I see. And so, oh. okay, let's let's talk about that. So let's talk about... Um, we'll, uh, Put a pin in land, but obviously <laughs> we will come back to it. But okay. what? How faithful is this show to the books? Okay, and what they've done really well. Yeah. What they've done really well, I think, yeah. was how they kind of weaved the law into it in the first few episodes. I think it was the second episode when they're like on horseback singing mm. the Manetheran song. They don't even know the meaning of the words behind, and then land kind of uh, translates to them this, the importance of this ancient civilization no. that lived, that was the, the seed from there. I, I believe it was Moraine who says that. Was it Moraine? Because yeah. Lan, oh, Lan did it with Nani later. That's right. Mm. Weep for the blood of Amon Cry for it's good to remember Manethrin. It's just a song. No idea who Manethrin is, anyway. In the old tongue, Manethrin means mountain home. Used to be the name of the place you now call the Two Rivers. During the Trollope Wars, the army of Manethrin was small but strong. A thorn in the Dark One's hand. So he sent the entirety of his forces to destroy it. When this massive host arrived, the women and men of the mountain home stood before it, the shallowest bend of the river at their backs, ready to fight. Their king, Eamon, like in the song, had sent messages to the neighbors they'd fought for in the past, and they were promised aid if they could hold for three days. And somehow they did. 
against that monstrous host they held for an hour, then a second, then a third. For three days they fought, and though the land became a butcher's yard, no Trolloc crossed the river. But on the third night, no help had come. So they fought on alone. For six days, for nine, and on the tenth day they knew. They knew no help was coming. From the city, Queen Eldreen organized her people to take the children and find refuge in the mountain keeps, though many of them went not to safety, but to join the army fighting for their home. Not a step of ground was given up until it was soaked in blood. But on the 13th day, the army of Menethrin was gone. Queen Eldreen felt her husband die. Driven by grief, she reached out and she hurled the one power at the Trolloc army. A hurricane of fire washed across the land. The Dark One's hosts ran like beasts, but they were not fast enough for the flames caught them, consumed them. But Eldreen had drawn more of the one power than any woman could ever hope to wield, and it burnt her right through from the inside out. But the children and their minders hidden in the mountains had been saved. There was nothing left of their farms, their villages, or their great city. But they returned, and they held the land that was theirs. That is why the song says weep. Weep, weep for Menethrin. Weep for what is lost forever. The old blood runs deep in you. Remember that. You'll need it in the days to come. So Moraine explained that to them and she kind of revealed this larger world to them, which mm. I think is one of the best things about the book series and about the series generally is the fact that they can show you a world that is in itself steeped in this history and this mm. lore that makes it seem bigger than it is. Yes. So it's really imaginatively evocative. That's so interesting because I love that scene as yeah. well. Like I love the monologue that Moraine, yeah. Moraine gives to the kids because it, it's a very good example of obviously kind of the rule of storytelling is show, don't tell. Mm. But I think that there are moments in the story where it works to talk about to give exposition yeah. and i think that that's uh that scene is a good example of exposition done right yeah because what she's saying it's not just hey here's some info it's hey this is actually relevant to you the characters right mm. now and i when i saw that i was like wow this is like this is good writing yeah. so i think there's there's definitely like good writing yeah. in this show it's just it's it's kind of mixed right now yeah. from from my perspective yeah anyway. yeah i agree with you there's a lot there's a lot being done in that scene especially like I mean, it kind of had a nice pace to it as well because mm. sometimes it's all action you want a bit of a cool down in between to release that tension that was beautifully done yeah but then um, they but, did it again yeah. later on with that next when they went to that shadow city the i think it was shadar logoth mm-hmm. and the way that land kind of well, I think Moraine was incapacitated at the time, so yes. Land kind of tells again the history of this place and shows that back during the Tro- Trolloc Wars, there was this 
city that recluded it, reclused itself and cut itself off from everyone else and then fell to this kind of gargantuan shadow that killed everyone. Yes. And I think it's nice to set, you know, again, it's expanding into the lore, into the history. It's setting this concrete period called the Trollic Wars mm. where things started to go bad after mm. this age of... Um, uh, age of decadence, maybe where they actually mm. were at the height of the, of the height of the peak of a civilization. Yes. Fell. Yeah. What was the most drastic change? The do most you think? drastic yeah. change. There are a few little changes. I can understand why they would have done it in mm. terms of like changing the magic system because initially in the books the magic system is gendered. Mm. There's the male part of the source and the female part of the source. And it's because of that whole tainting of the male side that they start to go mad. So they actually, the sort of male side, tap into a different kind of side yeah, of the like power. Yeah, it's like two sides of the same thing. Uh, okay, okay. But, yeah, but only yeah. a man can only touch the man side, mm-hmm. a woman can only touch the female side. But it's more, for this one, you, it seems more universal. Like Yeah, yeah. I think that was to get rid of, I, I don't know why they've done it, honestly, but it seems to be like slightly seems to be a little bit irrelevant and it seems to be like a, a kind of nonsensical change mm. because it does so many things to say that there is the male side and the female mm, side. Because mm. right now, logically, if there's only one, but only men could get sick or get mad from touching the source, it's like, why? What is it about mm. the man? What is it about men that do? Is it inherently men mm. or is it inherently the thing that they're touching? Mm, mm. So I think was, that was a change that probably didn't need to be there. Mm. I don't know why. Maybe for the sake of simplifying the power, but I don't think it's that much of a complex thing to grasp. Uh, how about like, uh, so I understand that Perrin didn't... Ah, the wife thing. Yeah, yeah, did he, yeah, he didn't have a wife. He didn't have a wife, but he has this consistent, this persistent uh, theme throughout his story, which they've tried to elaborate on a little bit and tried to, tried to develop, which is that he's averse to violence. Mm. But he takes on this violence when he has to like defend his wife and his, himself from the Trollocs and accidentally mm. killing his wife. And the whole story arc, without revealing too many spoilers, is mm. that he is resistant to use the axe uh-huh he's carrying this axe that he made himself and he's killed trollocs with it and he has this thing within him that axes only cause death and that there's nothing good thing come out of it which is kind <laughs> of developed with this way of the leaf and him getting interested yes. by it is that not in the books a little bit but i feel like they try to make it a bit more vocal in the, okay. in the series he says it a few times I and mean, he sits down to drink with ran he tells him about the way of the leaf mm-hmm. but it's almost like they weren't really investing too much time in it Mm, mm. I'm a little bit conflicted there because Perrin is probably one of my favorite characters in the books. I see, I see. But he doesn't seem to have... I think because mainly his... Again, this comes back to the difference between the books and the series is that the the books have much more time in the characters' heads. You get to understand how they think and what motivates them. Yeah. And I think from the start, Perrin's... uh, His his way of thinking appeals to me. He's very slow and likes to take his time. But at the same time, I think there is this aspect of... His power doesn't really get properly expanded upon in the first in the first mm. in the series so far. There's a little bit about the wolves and the golden eyes, but yes, that's interesting. There is this actual phenomenon that he is, and they develop in the book series. Okay, yeah, interesting. They actually meet another one of a person like him. Is this too much of a spoiler to announce what he what he actually is? Mm, yeah, maybe, maybe. Yeah, I think it is. Okay. Yeah, I mean, but they I te- they tease it out teaser. with the fact that he has connection with wolves and then his yes. eyes go grow, go gold. Yeah. 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 I actually thought he might have more like powers, like animal powers where he can control other animals, but mm. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. But that was it. That was a cool moment when uh, I, that's, I, I like that scene. So it's that scene where the white cloak uh, captures Moraine, sorry, captures Egwene mm. and uh, Perrin 
and essentially has to force her to use the uh is forcing her to use uh the one power so that he can have an excuse to be like all right i need to kill you now yeah that was a really good scene i think besides the uh the wolves they kind of seem like dogs that were running around and they kind of uh, feel like a little uh, bit low okay. budget for me. Uh, I, think, I think I can suspend my disbelief. <laughs> you Fair know. Uh, uh, but uh, but uh, although it was kind of a bummer, I think it's we presume that he's dying. Like the, the bad guy is dead, so the white cloak. But uh, I like that that was a trigger. It, it's, a, it's, a, it's a well-designed scene where it, sets our expectations and and in terms of the focus is on Egwene and then uh, actually uh, Perrin is the one that yeah. dad weaves. Uh, I assume that's weaving, but maybe that's not weaving. It's, not, it's something else entirely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. because there's, is, there isn't a hint that like he, he's going mad or something, so it's fine. More or okay. less like the series, the book series has these, this concept calls the Tarvaren or the Tarvaren. I can't remember how they pronounce it. Yeah, this sure. is, uh, this is of course introduced in the very end of this episode. Yeah. Or they mention it in the first episode, but oh, it kind okay. of just goes over your head because there's no context, no yeah. grounding for it. Yeah. Basically, it's these people that are kind of neck focal points for the, the pattern of time to kind of wheel it. The kind of people that can change fate in a way. Yeah, yeah. So it's more described. It's described more thoroughly in the books, but yeah, essentially, yeah, they're like <laughs> essentially they're the main characters to exactly. the wheel of time. They are the main characters. <laughs> it's the same idea, like behind people. Like I don't know, you could they have historical figures that they expound upon in, in the in the books themselves, like this kind of Arthur Hawkwing character, which is like a historical king who's kind of similar to like Alexander the Great mm. or like king arthur or something like that mm. and it is this idea that these are the historical people that can change the course of, of history mm. and this mm. is what a tarverin is more or less yeah yeah so this is interesting so let's talk about uh and and we can you know dive deeper into what we like or don't like but i'll just center uh i'll start with this which is let me try and let's talk about the idea in season one about the dragon reborn and and who it obviously this is the whole crux of this season which is the question of who is the dragon reborn who which one of the five yeah, right and yeah. then in the beginning you think it's the four teenagers right so you have uh yeah you have matt uh perrin Egwene and rand of course uh who's like heavily foreshadowed as the dragon reborn but i don't know uh, you you halfway through you were thinking it was matt I, well i just i was no, no, I, I was you were getting hoping, thrown all these red herrings well i was hoping it was not anyone other than rand because i personally find rand a very boring character huh. he i don't know he just seems quite bland to me i don't know if he's the act it's the actor or just the way he's written uh i just don't I'm not hooked by this character, so I was hoping that he's not like the main anchor, yeah, you know, like because yeah, that means that more screen time is given to him. I suppose a lot more comes out because he has so much responsibility mm. thrust onto him and mm. so much more pressure put on him mm. that he that you kind of see who he is based on that. But I can understand how you, he could come across as almost two dimensional. Yeah, and almost well, like the main character. The biggest problem about writing a main character is that sometimes you focus too much on what happens to them as opposed to the character themselves. I think two characters that. Uh, that suffered from this, from the plot machinations that, in a way, get in the way of their characterization. Uh, it's Rand mm. and Egwene. I think yeah. they're both casualties of this because yeah. um, I think Rand first and foremost, but 
Egwene has something, uh, the episode that kind of saved it from me or that made me understand her character is like, like provided some nuance into her character a bit more is when they're at the White Tower mm. and when Nynaeve was very reluctant to, you know, she hates the Aes Sedai, of course, because her previous wisdom trainer, they were rejected. And so she has this mistrust, right? And she all, and also Nynaeve is just like a defiant person uh, in, in general, but uh, she's just like, I don't want to have anything to do with this. But when Moraine talks about like, I've met, you know, uh, I've met potential, you know, uh, people who can uh, weave the one power, you, you can see like, uh, kind of to the side, the actress for Egwene, like she plays her performance in her performance. It's like, she's proud mm. and she's like very excited to be part of yeah. a, a potential Aes Sedai And member. that's very much in keeping with the character in the books, I think. I she just think is, that, yeah. She's strong and she's ambitious. I like that. And I think, and in this episode, this finale as well, you see like Rand, the thing that snaps Rand out, which I was very glad to, that happened, which mm. is, Yes, he wants a child with uh, with uh, Egwene and and things like that. But uh, and, but then he's like, that's not what she wants mm. because she has you know ambition. This is not all, at the very least from his perspective. That's not what she wants. Yeah. But I wish we saw more of that. Yeah, you know, yeah. I wish that we gave her some more screen time to to really like tap into like why she's so interested or hear her talk about things like that i you know um i don't think we really got a lot of that but yeah I, it, not 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 this is the least of the show's problems but uh but it's because they all keep talking and this is a one criticism as well in terms of Egwene, which is everyone talks about like moraine is like Egwene is the most powerful. Is mm. uh, one of the most powerful wielders I've, I've I've ever met, but we don't see that actually. We don't, don't actually see too see, much of it. No, yeah, no. it's because she's a little bit untrained at the time. Well, and but we're like, okay, then how? How does Nanive do what she does? No, it's more like how are we supposed to believe that she's very powerful? Everyone keeps talking about yeah, it, but yeah. we don't see There's it. Like a pretense about it. Yeah, whereas like Nynaeve, we see we yeah. see how powerful she but is. That's and that's exceptional. She's literally what they've said it in the series and they've said it in the books as well is that she is the most powerful channel that anyone's ever seen. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So whereas Egwene is probably one of the strongest they've seen in a while. And this other character that uh, comes out. It seems to be that they have this Again, this is what's cool about it, this idea of like things changing with time and these things that happen by themselves as a consequence of this wheel of time. Things turn mm -hmm. and then things start to change in a general sense that now all these people start coming up and teenagers now that are more powerful than people that have been practicing their whole life. It's that things are starting to happen. Ah. It's almost like the universe or the wheel of time itself is turning itself to be ready for Tamon Gate on this final battle. Tom on Gaydon. It's That's throwing a, out these people that are capable of uh, contesting with this battle, which is again the final kind of idea between good and evil that gets expanded so well in this series is that there is the Dark One and there is the Creator, mm. and the Dark One is more or less negation and death, and the Creator is life. So, mm. if the Creator is in charge of the Wheel of Time, what gets poured out is almost like creating this kind of balance to what happens with the Dark One and vice versa. Mm. You kind of kind of see this whole world as a playground for this battle, mm. which again is like kind of cosmology of it, I suppose. Here's what I understand about this whole thing as it progresses. Obviously, they're still up in the air in terms of like what their roles are. Obviously, we know that they're the tar what 
Tamangadon? No, they're the focal point. Oh, the Tavaren. Tavarens. But I thought, as this, the movie, the, as the season goes, I, I thought that my my theory was that the soul of the dragon was split into five. Oh, okay. And then, and then that's why they it's a whole all, different like, concept of reincarnation. They mention yeah. that in um before sunrise, don't they? That idea of reincarn of uh, like souls it's being two people, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, that's why you have soulmates. Yeah, but um, uh, but I guess that's not the case. No. Um. Uh. So we are. So we confirm a hundred percent that. Rand is the dragon reborn. Like yeah, the book yeah, is yeah. saying that. They they said that in the in the series, I suppose. Yeah. Like when he and had that confirmation, that supposedly dramatic re- revelation. Yeah. It was a little bit uh let's let's talk about that scene because this is uh in uh so the moment we supposedly are, are supposed to believe that uh Rand is con confirmed the dragon reborn is is in episode seven the dark along the ways mm. this is of course the episode where they jump into the portal and then they they you know matt gets left behind and they they just go into this like crazy uh kind of uh dark dimension between you know where they that helps them travel quickly i assume the ways yeah, yeah. the ways so in the ways there's some weird stuff going on but um <laughs> So the reveal out in the same episode is he he hears this voice inside of him that yeah. says, "You've you, known all along that you were the dragon." Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So as a, as someone, I, this is one of the moments where I'm like, I think this show is uh, having is is relying too much on assumed knowledge by book readers to yeah. make this sing because yeah. they didn't actually put in the. Which is very interesting because it's in a very stark contrast to Nynaeve's reveal. Because, um, uh, and I know that she doesn't turn out to be the Dragon Reborn, but her the way they executed her scene, where the way she, they actually led up to that, yeah, to that scene the, the, yeah, yeah, the story building where they once they have that conversation with uh, the false dragon about like uh you know when you do see the dragon yeah, you will know because yeah. there will be a burst of light and power exactly yeah, yeah. exactly that was really well constructed but it completely lacked that with Rand's reveal exactly so you know you seem to come out of nowhere it doesn't feel earned yeah and, and yeah exactly the, and you know while Nynaeve's thing uh Obviously, like logically, you can't confirm yet. Emotionally, it feels real for mm. that moment. For in that episode, you felt like you you basically you're in the position of all the characters where, oh shit, we're looking at the Dragon Reborn. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. But that's it. Seems like that's a, the problem with the show had is that they tried to create this. Oh, who is it? The mystery. Yeah, it could be yeah. anyone. But they didn't actually. They say they. Turned all your attention onto Matt suddenly suffering, su- suffering this madness, so Matt must be yes. the dragon. Or suddenly okay. it's Nynaeve, she yeah. must be the dragon. Or yeah. Egwene's powerful as well. Perrin's got eyes, but then didn't they? They left. They took the attention away from Rand, mm-hmm. but they didn't sow any of the little seeds beforehand yes. to make it to make you even think for a moment that it could be him. They, they tried to make it so surprising that it was almost like too much. Yeah, it's too out of nowhere. Yeah. Even though like I know he's go like yeah, 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 at, yeah. at some point like he's focused so much and the show starts with yeah. him that he can't really not be that, but they didn't put in the work like even yeah, 
we'll we'll touch on Matt, but I think with Ran and his reveal, how where are the scenes where he knew this all yeah, along? Yeah, yeah. He's been like outwardly saying like like even he says in this final episode, like I thought it was Egwene. Mm. Well, right? It's like, but then how? But then, how come you how, were doubting yourself yeah. and assuming you were? Like, where were those moments? And we were instructed to not trust the voices in the ways, but it's the voices in the ways that confirms, like, uh, oh, you, you know, you're, you're, you are the dragon reborn, and then. Though you know, then they cut to the few moments that he was doing the weave and stuff. Yeah, yeah. It was actually him. I think that's kind of smart, but I think you should have done it throughout the season. Yeah. So I think the uh, it was rushed. I think it was rushed, but I think that the scene itself wasn't bad. Yeah. It's just the context around it and the lead up to it. It was just lacking. Exactly. Exactly. That the reveal was good, but there was like, what were you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why were you telling us this? This is kind of irrelevant. It came out of nowhere. Exactly. It's yeah. it's kind of like just some random person came in and be like, hey, you know, you're the dragon born. See ya. Yeah. It's, it's like, like, oh, okay. <laughs> and I was confused because I didn't know if this was bad writing or we're not supposed to believe that. You know, I, I thought yeah. I thought we were supposed it's a it's a going to be like the rug is getting pulled out from under them and that's everyone what, see, that's what the they're aiming. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I'm just when you were talking before, it kind of dawned on me. It's like I've had this thought for a while, but then there's something else dawned on me. It's like they had so much material in the book to kind of cram into the series mm. that they almost tried to like, they missed points of motivation by trying to stick to these plot points. Mm. So the one we're talking about now with Rand revealing, they didn't really line up for it well because they tried to put too much into it. Mm. And then they tried to set these people up along these markers that were significant to the plot. They lacked, they lacked the dialogue mm. to make it happen, yeah, to make they, it seem authentic. It's almost yeah. like they're, they're lacking this this uh, this interaction between the characters, almost yes. like they're moving these figures around this board, like in a board game. Yeah, but they haven't actually connected them in a yeah, way. Yeah, they have the outline, but yeah. they don't have the details to yeah, make it yeah, sing. Yeah, yeah. You the know? big picture thing, is, like you said, they yeah. do well. It's just that they actually how they manage to do that sometimes. And yeah, point A was point lacking B. in yeah. some of the points, or yeah. it wasn't properly kind of put into its context. Well, it it, it really feels like. Uh, and I hate to say it, it's kind of a little lazy storytelling. It's it, it's basically the writer saying, "Just go with it." Yeah, I wonder whether it's lazy or whether it's just inexperience. Mm, maybe, I don't know. Maybe I don't know both. the the experience yeah. of the like the the writing team. But then I think of like all the stuff that they missed out from the books that was actually really good at developing these characters, all the mm. interactions they could have had, and it's right. Like, they could have just like one to one adapted a scene. Right. I think that might have been hard. I can see why they've made changes. Fair enough. Right. But it makes me wonder, like, why not add four more episodes? Mm. If it means sacrificing mm. some of the budget for the sake of like, I don't know. I don't know how these things work. I don't know how money. Obviously, it's a big it's a big factor. But mm. at the same time, why not like cut out some of the stuff that costs so much money and like make it more low budget, more about conversations, yeah. more about these interactions. Like eight episodes isn't a lot of episodes. No, it's not. What? what uh, maybe that's just what they were given. Maybe, maybe that's what, just what. Maybe that's given. all they're allowed to. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the Matt of it all, right? Quite a controversial character, I feel like, while <laughs> both behind the scenes and in the show. Obviously, um, uh, it has been announced that the actor who plays uh, Matt, who I think his name is Barney Harris. Uh, is that his name? Let's see. Uh, yes, so Barney Harris is no longer um, 
it has left the show, so he will be replaced by a different actor for Man, which is kind of a shame because, from my perspective, he was the best actor. Oh out yeah, of we the agree teens. on this. He was like one of the most interesting characters. He had like a charisma about him that was yeah. actually enjoyable to watch. Yeah, and, Even and his delivery and his dialogue was good. And I think because of that, it made me invest in that character so much more, which actually makes it slightly frustrating. In terms of where his character went, maybe it's because of the, his abrupt um, uh, departure, mm. uh, the actor's uh, departure from the show. But um, it do- I'm not buying what's happening to Matt right now because you have this arc of. So first of all, like you said, maybe it's this is there. I you can tell me if it's present in the books. This who is it? mystery yeah, yeah. is that in the books it's like, there for who a little bit but it's kind of more or less evident it, that it's Rand. yeah because okay. each of these different type of Rand have their own kind of character right right like perrin it pretty established pretty early on what he is and he's on a channel and he's this guy who can commune with I wolves see. who has this connection I with see. wolves so that that's very interesting because uh i understand why they do that Mm. I understand in the adaptation they're like this is a streamlined yeah. way, but um, but even I think in the in the books I think Moraine knows more or less, or she's pretty <laughs> certain that it's Rand because the fact so that weird like because she's well, so misguided that it's Egwene, oh, but see, there's no that's, reason that's what doesn't ring true. They're just trying to uh, make this kind of who guess who yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. What's so stupid is like she understands the prophecy, and the right. prophecy is that she'd be the Dragon Reborn was born of an Aiel. So this is this this kind of race of this people that are red hair and tall, mm. and mm. you see the start of the second last episode where that warrior with yes. red hair fights all these people with spears. Yeah, so that is um, that's in um, that is in was it episode seven? Episode seven, the start yeah, of episode seven, the, the battle on Dragon Mount, yeah. where Tam Althor Rand's father in quotation marks there the guy who raised him yes he found this child and he takes him home to raise him yeah that but then in the prophecy they know that the child was raised was born of dragon mount that they know the child was born of an aiel or mm. and i think that's pretty well expounded and she's common or they're she's, the redhead yeah yeah the redheads people and yeah. she's uh she's fluent with that and all the, the way through the series like oh what's an aiel doing in the two rivers everyone's saying that so it's like it's pretty obvious it's him but why is that missing i why think is that it, missing? i think it's for the sake of trying to make it more balanced and i, I I have no idea. I have no idea. It's interesting because obviously that's still in play in the show. Like they they still make it obvious that like they showed us the scene where there's the redhead mother, you know, Mm. like in a really cool badass moment. Like I I love that scene. They tried to tease it out. It's kind of such a bummer that she died because I was like, what is this? I want to follow her story. Well, that's kind of cool. That whole kind of civilization of people that Aiel, yeah, they get brought in in like interesting in a few more i don't think time. that i don't think that race gets mentioned I he does it once you oh, know the, okay. the gleeman yes he mentions that person in a cage oh uh, okay that Aiel never have their, their veils down unless yes. you know they're when they kill they put their veil on so this person with the veil down they weren't killing and this is meant to kind of expound upon the idea of all these different cultures in mm. this world which mm. i think is again one of the best things about this series is there is so much uh, depth in terms of the world that's been created. Mm. I, I do like the uh, the way that it depicts how different cultures and different people with different ways of life how they relate to the wheel of time in yeah. a different way. Mm. You know, so I, I was, you know, 
I have a love hate thing with the way of the leaf people, but yeah. for the most part, I do like. And they were the first people who really introduced the concept of the wheel of time because you have that scene with uh, that woman leader, and and she's like, um, you know, she has a story about her daughter, and she's doing it for her daughter to improve the world, so that when she cycles back, um, when she cycles back in her next life. The world will be a better place. Wait, what one was that? Uh, that I think that was in I think that was in episode two, Shadows Waiting, where th- this is where Perrin has that conversation with um, the way of the leaf oh, people. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's that, that's his yeah, question yeah. about like you know what you can't go yeah. without violence, and then she's yeah. like, oh, when or was the last this. time you use a uh, violence, and yeah, how did that yeah, turn yeah, yeah. out? You know, see, they tried to get a storyline <laughs> going in that way, but didn't seem to. They didn't seem to expand upon it well enough or develop it well enough. Yeah, in my experience. N- yeah, not not really. Or they they tie that with Perrin, and then go, that's his personality, mm. and then they, you know, yeah, so, so he yeah. just they just kind of use it as a crutch because yeah. even at this very last thing, he's like. It's it's once again it it feels like cheap storytelling, but I understand the shortcut. Like if you want to take a shortcut, this is the way to do it. Where he just outwardly says, "How can we just sit here while everyone else is willing to fight?" I'm standing. You must. Bullshit! All of it. The way of the leaf. What are we supposed to do? Just watch our friends die? Of course not. There are always options. Other than violence. What? What can we do? In my own experience, if you want to help, but don't know how, all you need to do is ask. He's like, the way of the leave. Mm. Screw this. To like this, the bear guy. Okay, what's his name? Loyal. Loyal. Yeah, the Ogier. <laughs> yeah, he looks like a lion. <laughs> uh, so I'm just, I just, I've been calling him the it's lion the head. man. It's the head. Yeah. And maybe the nose. He, well, he goes like, essentially, screw this shit about the way of the leaf to this lion man who has no connection to that. Like, oh, he'd understand it because Ogier, they don't really expand, explain it, but Ogier are like, have much longer lifespans than mm-hmm. humans, so he's considered like a young, uh, a young Ogier, and he's like eighty. I see. Yeah. Well, but but still, still the 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 show did not establish no, like there not isn't at all. there isn't a I scene. I think this is the actual main problem with the show is that they have so much content they're trying to deliver and yeah. so few, so little time to do it. Mm. So it's like every single scene has to be that same one with the torture scene. Everything has to be so layered and well constructed mm. in an adept way that it can explain so much is going on mm. in such a little frame. Mm. But I feel like they haven't done that. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, it, it's you could have easily done like he looks at the X flashback to his wife getting killed and he doesn't do it yeah they, like, they why, could have why, done that why didn't they were yeah. taking like less than a second to flash that yeah scene. why why did he have to outwardly say like screw the way to leave it's like yeah, that's yeah, yeah. not it's like you've made it all about that because you think like that's the quickest way to for us to understand him but just put in some work to to really like tie us to yeah, him you know that yeah. is not a that is not strong enough to create our connection with him like just someone once told him that the way of the you know, if you want to do that, have someone die. 
has someone from the way of the leaf die mm. from like you know that woman who's talking to him have her die right in front of him and go this was still the right call we shouldn't have like chosen that violence when the white cloaks attacked them but i can't remember because i was so long ago and read the well books. they uh it's more oh, or less that he gives that up because he does. He's like the whole thing is that he's taken the axe with him after that mm, first encounter. He mm. carries it the whole way with him because he has to defend himself. Yeah, but they don't expand that at all. He just comes across as dumb right now. Yeah. Like, and that's the thing. That's the like, thing. That's one of his concerns. And you get in his inner monologue is the fact that he thinks people think he's stupid. Mm. Really, he just likes to take things slowly and to consider things and take his time with you things. You know, I I think they didn't give him a chance to shine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If it's honest, honestly, case. it's it's strange because he is one of the most interesting characters mm. in the first book. Like it goes out with these characters that are all their abilities slowly become to become uh, apparent. So Ran with the channeling and stuff, you kind of he's more or less always interesting. But mm. Perrin, from the start, the minute he encounters the wolves, he is like someone that is very interesting in terms of his perspective and in terms of what abilities he has. Mm, mm. But they haven't developed developed that. Yeah. So it's um it's interesting because when we think of like which characters arc this season mm. like which character has an arc the only character that arcs is Rand because he starts off being pissed at um being pissed at uh uh Egwene for not for choosing the wisdom life and not going together and then he accepts and then he, it yeah he yeah. comes to understand that I this is why I love her yeah. and she's her own person and even though I want this life with her I have to understand that that's not what she wants mm. and great that, that that's I think that's beautiful but and then if you look at everyone else no one else arcs so when we come to for, for example Nynaeve right she's very like uh, you can say that okay so she's she is very hesitant about the Aes Sedai, doesn't trust them. And in the end, nothing really happens. Like She, she kind of has that say where it's like, I would like to go. A wisdom can't marry, but an Aes Sedai can. She kind of said that at the end. That's so there true. is a little bit of an arc of saying that it is revolving around Lan and her love for him. But that, well, again, all right, was, all right. maybe we can now I'll, talk I'll, about Lan. <laughs> wait, oh, wait, before we jump to Lan, I want to just quickly cover off Matt. Yeah. Okay, and I, I keep saying it. So with Matt... This is a th- another thing with the uh, the character arc. Yeah. I felt like this is the an exa- another example of they have the gleeman and and th- that was the moment uh, where I was like, mm, I this doesn't make sense in this scene, but maybe the like they just have like they're blinded by the books that they don't understand that this scene doesn't make How sense. How it comes across yeah, because yeah. Uh, it's the moment where they came across this people at the barn. And uh, the family at the barn, and uh, the Gleeman, uh, you know, you know, they they come up to them, and uh, the Gleeman spots like Matt holding a dagger as the the barn people approach them, and that is textually is supposed to be a sign that the madness has overtaken him. Yeah. But it, it like it doesn't make sense. Like people react to threat. Like this, the guy has an arrow at them. Mm. At his friend, I mean, w- w- does is it really out of the question to be holding a dagger? Like, how is that yeah, a sign of yeah, madness? Yeah. And then, and then one scene later, from that interaction, the Gleeman is telling Rand, like, 
hey, I think your brother, your 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 friend over there is going nuts. Yeah. I'm like, when 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 did we see that? Like, when has that happened? Again, I think it's just a matter of trying to cram too much into too little. Yeah. Because they're, they're journeying together. They, they're on the road together for a little bit of time before that happens. And right. then Matt's d- decline is a bit more gradual. I, I think that, yeah, I think we should have given a scene where we trust or understand where the Gleeman is coming from. And mm. I think this is another example of like, just go with it. He's supposed to go this way. So yeah, just yeah, go yeah, with yeah, it. Yeah. We have this plan. You just, just trust us. Yeah, yeah, just trust As us. As opposed to we're going to make good entertainment and we're going yeah. to show you why it's interesting. We're going to invest you in it and then try to turn, play yeah. with you. Instead, it's almost like this pretense. Yeah. And then, right? And I love that scene where he makes his bond with this girl. And once again, it's, I think the actor is really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that you know, I, I'm like really buying this. And, and I think they write it, write it perfectly because she reminds him of his, her, his yeah, sister. Yeah. And then they die tragically. And it, it's almost like, I want to follow this. Like what has Rand gone through? You know, Rand yeah, is almost yeah. like a privileged boy, you know, yeah. like who had never really had to struggle for anything, has this love problem. It's like other people have real issues you know hmm. so and and you're looking at matt and by contrast you're like wow this guy has gone through some shit right yeah you mentioned that thing about Rand not really having anything he kind of starts as a suspect that tam isn't his dad from like one of the first encounters i don't know why they made it so he didn't even think about it till it was told because that's not true yeah that that's also another thing that came out that's of the one thing that adds to his doubt about who mm. he is i i think that uh, yeah they they i think that's a good that would have been a good opportunity to give yeah. us like uh, uh, something that that's his inner conflict that it's not like he's just being a brat this whole time about Egwene, mm. you know, like I don't know, but the Again, thing it's, is, it's the poor writing thing. Yeah, but the thing is, like with Matt, right? It's fine. I, I I don't hate it. I don't hate it. It's just like it just brings to mind that these were the issues because, and then they find okay, great. It's just a knife. And I like that because it's kind of like, this is what you get for not listening to Moraine. Yeah, and I yeah. love Moraine. Like, <laughs> Moraine is the best part of the show. Like, yeah. they've really, like, built her up really well in terms of, like, she's guarded for a good reason. Mm. Because, you know, it's just hard to know who to trust. Mm. And, um, and you know, look at, like, the chaos that's, like, unfolding around her, you know. So I, I kind of like that. And her being guarded is also a weakness because it's harder for people to trust her yeah that's interesting and i and i like that dilemma because it's like she can't say much because it's to protect those people or the like she's ready to die for the world like she's like i'll die Mm. but that makes it like other people are they're putting on like different agendas on her that she doesn't have Mm. which is very interesting it's a a distrust yeah but uh, so with Matt, her, you know, they say that it's about the sword. And then when before they jump into the portal, Matt's like, yeah, I'm not going. Mm. Uh, and then there's this very clunky scene of them like just yelling at him. And yeah. then what I, I, you clunky know, is a good word to describe. Yeah, it's it, just very like, anyway. But then she's like, I felt the darkness in him. But it's like, Maureen, you, you said it was the sword. <laughs> w- what do you mean? You felt like you, it's kind of like sour grapes, you know, yeah. it's kind of like. Oh, we don't have him. Well, you know what? He was useless anyway. I did, I, I don't know why they did that. It, just, it didn't seem congruent with the story. Yeah. So th- th- does that? So I guess from your perspective, does I honestly that happen? can't remember what happens in that scenario. But I'm pretty mm. sure they don't break up because he ends up being in Faldala with the rest of them. Oh, so he's supposed to be in that? Uh, yeah. In yeah. That, yeah. Uh, 
Because you know how power. you saw that uh, Pat and Fane at the end had that dagger? Yes. That's Matt's dagger. He <gasps> takes it from him. And it turns out that in the well, in, in the book, Moiraine hasn't healed him from the darkness. Oh, okay. but The only way to heal him is to have the dagger at the same time. You know how she did that spell? Where she yes. Did? So the guy steals the dagger from Matt without Matt being healed. So he needs it back to be able to live. Oh. And that's why he starts to... That's the whole next book, next series, next season, you could say. But how does that... He's healed, though. He's healed. He's healed in this, yeah. I don't know why. So <laughs> Maybe so they're rushing what? the story along because Matt's, Matt, as a character in the books, doesn't become interesting until like book three, book five. Interesting. Because he's just sick for like two, a book and a half. Whoa, <laughs> yeah. okay. But when he does become interesting, he is like one of the coolest characters. I see, I see. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess okay. Let's talk about Lan. So you obviously have a big issue. My with complaint Lan. is that he seems too good to be true, and he's how- meant to be this poet, king, warrior guy, which is understandable. But he's also like really in touch with his feelings, and really eloquent, and really grounded and balanced. Obviously, if you're, I think he's like meant to be really old as well. Like he, I, when I read him and when I engaged him, he always seemed to me like a very um, Aragorn type character. Uh huh. Uh huh. He with- does have that vibe in yeah. this one. But I feel like the actor doesn't do it justice. The mm. actor comes off almost like smug in certain kind, certain interesting, ways that, that Le- Viggo Mortensen never did. He always came across as humble. Mm. Whereas mm. this character, this actor is like very self-satisfied in his delivery, I think. <laughs> like when he's a warrior, he's cool. When he's like very, you know, firm and like, I don't know how to explain it. He seems to just know everything and be able to do everything. Yeah. And you don't want that from a character. You want that mm. weakness. Like Moraine is so powerful and knowledgeable, but no one trusts her because she's so guarded. Yeah. And that's kind of why you fell in love with her in that mm, way, right? Mm, mm. That's true. I can't explain. He just doesn't have the floor. He's just too perfect. And that makes him... Um, <sighs> this just seems like a bad a character, a poorly yeah, written character, yeah. as opposed to like actually relating to him. Yeah, yeah. I, I did... Yeah, that's interesting. I I don't have a huge problem with him compared to you, but I I can see where you're coming from. He's meant to be like this guy that is gri- ground out uh, mm. trying to defend the borderlands. Mm. He's, he's lived in a harsh mm. warrior society. So how is it that he's so clean know, and composed? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 exactly. That's that's true. That's true. I guess it's a yeah, that is different. I don't know what went on there, but it just <laughs> seems like he's he's too charming. For mm. a man that's meant to be gruff mm. and mm. you know suffered a loss of his entire kingdom, he was meant to be. He was meant to be the king of Malkia, the seven that's towers. Right. At the end, that's he's right. lost his family, he's lost his lineage, he's lost his land, but he's still lighthearted and fun and, yeah. and this romantic. It's like where did that come from? Yeah, it's yeah. too good. And there's a there's a very weird um, moment that I think plays off wrong for me, and then. The, which is the moment uh, when Nynaeve, like they're like at the crux of their romantic world, they won't they, yeah. and uh, Nynaeve is like, I understand why you are like you know have this bond to uh, Moraine because you have nothing left and then mm. uh, whatever. I'm like, if I'm Lan, I won't like be in love with this interpretation. I'll be like pissed, offended. Because I feel like it cheapens the bond yeah, that he has yeah. with Moraine. Where it's but like, no, he understands what she's trying to say because he's perfect. <laughs> well, I don't know what she's trying to say, yeah. but, it, you know, yeah, maybe, maybe. But it's kind of like, you know, is that it? Like, you just have this bond with this person because you needed structure 
and and someone to belong to, and you just grabbed onto Mar- like Marine. Is that what we're supposed to believe? Well, this is that's kind of the situation he was in. This is kind of expanded upon in the prequel book that was mm. written. I, I can't remember when chronologically, but oh, it was like after around maybe the third or the seventh book or something like that. Okay. But it's that he was like killing himself, trying to get revenge for the the, the oh, darkspawn that killed or that took his 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 home. And then Moraine comes in contact with him. And she's like, "I'll give you a purpose. We'll have to find the Dragon Reborn and, and mm, be prepared for okay. the last battle." Okay, that's where it comes about. So you can see that. But still, when did he find this ability? Is it from engaging with Moraine that he's slowly become this refined mm. character, or, mm. or what's going on? I do wish that, uh, in terms of obviously, it's uh, it sounds like it's deviating from the books. So I wish that the prequels. It sounds like it's in the lead up to when they have this prophecy. Um, about uh, who Dragon Reborn is. Obviously, they have this, <laughs> uh, and maybe we'll touch on that. What the White this Tower is kind looks of the like. thing about the whole structure of the books until about the fourth book mm. is that Moraine is trying to push Rand along this path so that he fulfills the prophecies mm. that the dragon is mm. meant to fulfill. Mm. So he has fulfilled it, right? There are a, a lot more involved. Okay. Like there's this almost like this kind of lyric poetry kind of way of mm. what the dragon does. So like causes a certain thing to happen. Okay. It's, it's revealed in this very kind of mythic language mm. that they have to interpret as opposed mm. to knowing exactly what he has to do. Mm. So there's a thing I about the, this place called the the Stone of Tear. And Tear is one of the southern town cities that exists in the rest of the land. And this 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 place is like a fortress that's never been breached. And one of the prophecies is that the tear, the stone of tear, will fall, and so she is trying to make Rand go there so he can fulfill the prophecy. And he's like, "I'm not doing what you're telling me to do. You're not pushing me. I don't know what your plans are." So interesting because obviously it, at the end of this episode, uh, the finale, uh, Rand goes on his own in deeper into the yeah, which dark is untrue one. because. I feel untrue like as in it, it's incongruous incongruous to the book in the sense that he is resistant towards any label resistant towards being pushed in any direction for mm. about for the first few books because he's like he won't really properly accept his destiny mm. or it seems like he is just like he that. knows he's that, turned yeah. he's accepted his destiny a instantly. voice told him yeah. that he's dragon born so it, it, you know. it doesn't ring true I don't oh, think. that's okay. why it doesn't even seem like a series to me it's annoying it's interesting. I wonder where this is going next. But what did you think of the White Tower? So obviously a big part of this story is the White Tower and the Ajas yeah, of the Aes yeah. Sedai, which is a different factions. There's well, like that gets developed a lot more when later. it comes to later on because ah, not okay. without, without, without being too explicit with yeah. my spoilers, uh, some of the people go to the White Tower and actually learn there. Oh, so they join the institution. All right, all right. interesting. Which interesting. is kind of a giveaway. But, <laughs> but yeah, that gets developed more fully plus you meet a bunch of different sisters along the road okay okay um yeah i think the way they did it like like i said earlier the the sense that they the way of them spending a third of an episode expanding upon this one water's grief and then killing himself and then this kind of constructed a uh, grief ceremony at the the funeral it just seemed like it's a wasted opportunity you could have done so much more there with that time especially considering you're already so time poor it's like what was the the point of that other mm. than making land this ultimate hero character and he's not even the main protagonist. What's the point? It actually brings up a lot more questions about the water bond uh, yeah. than it answers because, well, it's magical, you said. 
it's I'm assuming, magical. Yeah, it's a, it's a consequence of the weave, or maybe it's like one of the powers from like a Sarangriel or something like right, that. Right, because uh, Moraine can close and open the yeah, phone whenever yeah, yeah. she wants. It's obviously not really romantic because Moraine has this relationship with the Amaryllin seat. Yeah, it's more like an intense bond that allows you to experience the other person's consciousness. Mm, I, but it's not really a... I don't know, there's something about it that rubs me the wrong way it is that fact that she can close it and open it when she wants so because yeah. it's like it's not really a bond then it's more uh, like I, I don't know it doesn't it doesn't a... seem wrong for me I mean, okay in the books i think that she can like mask it that doesn't mean right, she right. can close it off completely ah, it just okay. means she can like kind of like obscure it's it a more bit dull yeah okay yeah. okay and and obviously she she's now cut off or or, or yeah cut off from yeah, the source yeah uh, well again this whole scene at the end is played out very differently in the books so she was never cut off from the source. Uh, I, can't, I, can't, I can't remember exactly, like, but I'm pretty sure no, because like everyone was there at the end, mm. and there was a whole bunch of different things. Like there was this fucking tree construct oh. thing, like an ent more or less that lived there and protected the eye of the world that you didn't see at all. How about this horn thing that everyone? The horn to of Valia is mainly the plot point for the next book. Because like they had to hunt down the horn. Because you see Pat and Fane leaving with it. Yeah, yeah. And it's up to the horn blower. To be the person that the horn bearer is a person that uses it in the last battle to summon all these ghosts, long dead heroes from out of the the netherworld so into there. Yeah, it's cool. It's really cool the way they do it, especially when they start to bring in some of the heroes that are actually waiting uh, for the horn. Uh, it's really okay. cool. Okay, it's do you cool. think we'll see more like flashbacks in the next season to like um, if there is a next season? <laughs> I think it's been announced. It has yeah, been announced. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I feel like the best thing for this series, the best thing about this this world for me is the history and the lore and how it's not just taking place in this time but it's it's taking place in this whole universe where they have this 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 rich mythology that is just interwoven throughout it and that's the thing you, you got from the conversations with like Moiraine explaining the blood of Mermenetherin or Lan explaining the long cursed city of Shadar Logoth it is this sense of something greater beyond what they're in. So it's actually mm. this history. And I think that's that's what I was talking to you before about the the very start of the book. They had this prologue where they show Luster and the dragon before he was reborn going mad from the taint. Oh, yep, yeah. Yep. And that puts you in the universe straight away because like, holy shit, you've just read this scene where this world is towering, this mm. guy is mad and they're talking about dark ones and prisons and shit. And then all of a sudden, you're in the two rivers. That's so interesting because I think they should have started with that. Yeah, it sets up for the <laughs> the, the scope of the story yeah. perfectly because it, it's very it's kind of confusing how they start because yeah. they just start with like a clip and then and then it's like uh, Moraine. Yeah, you you get the sense of Moraine knows like the age ranges of these dragons, and you're just like, okay, why that that first scene yeah. of that hunting that man down yeah. was was just the worst start to a series I've ever experienced before. Okay, just, yeah, it that seemed was so empty compared to what could have been there. It, yeah, because it, it wasn't ultimately we know now given that he's like a false dragon yeah. like it doesn't really tie into anything yeah exactly um i yeah. think the only reason they chose not to do it is because like there was this uh pilot for the wheel of time i think maybe like 10 years ago or so that did that and their pilot was literally that prologue uh, where Luz and the dragon is talking to this guy and he's uh, running around in an empty burnt castle being like oh where's my wife I'm, mm. I'm not sure where she is even though he's just killed her through from losing his uh, losing his mind okay, more or less okay 
and that's like oh you can look it up on youtube it's still pretty interesting watch it after this but yeah i think they didn't want to redo that okay and i think that was probably a mistake because that that is the perfect introduction to the whole world of the wheel of time i think there wasn't an anchor scene like that to set up the stakes because if you knew what was going on yeah if you got absorbed in that scene they did it well you would have been hooked straight away there'd be no better way to start that I agree, I think I agree with you. Even obviously, I don't, I haven't read it, but I think that that's something was missing in yeah. that first episode. Yeah. That it just seemed empty. That first scene, it was lacking completely. Especially with what we know now. It's yeah, it's like these like, red sisters were hunting this random, random guy person. who can channel, and then Moiraine was just randomly there as well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like didn't on make top any sense. of the mountain, yeah. and they're like, and just All like right, I know what a Tava Red is, and then yeah, just too much. Yeah. Yeah, overall... Six out of ten. Six out of ten. This series is six out of ten. That's solid. That's solid. It's it's solid because it's, like I said, it's still pretty entertaining, all the stuff that's going on. Yeah, yeah. But it's not a a top-tier show. It's not the the best thing I've ever seen in my life. (laughs) Yeah. It's just a little bit, you know... That's a six out of ten, bearing in mind that it's not what I want from an adaptation of the books that I love. Right, of course, of course. So that's me trying to judge it uh, objectively as a series, which is hard for me to to distance myself Well, how about... Okay, let's say... Yes, as an adaptation. Yes, yeah, as an ad- like adaptation. A two or a three. Because mm, there's just so much that was lacking, and so much of the the oomph that comes from the characters is just isn't there. Mm, interesting. I yeah. think yeah, we. Uh, I, I think I'm a seven out of ten. Okay. Uh, and obviously, I brought up a lot of my gripes about the show, but it's only because the promise is there. You mm. know, the seed of like the. I think the performances for the most part is there, although. I still have something. Uh, Rand's actor, I don't know about him. You called him Pretty Boy, didn't you? Pretty Boy. Like, yeah. he just seems like, you know, central casting, like, from a CW show, you know, <laughs> if, if that makes sense. Like, he's, he looks like he yeah. accidentally stumbled from the set of Riverdale and then he's in this show. Okay. Um, but, you know, it's fine. It's Honestly, fine. I don't have many gripes with the acting. My gripes are with the writing. Yeah, I think that. Yeah, I think honestly, an actor can only do so much. That's of what so they're true. That's that's true. That's true. I think. Uh, I think if anything, per- Perrin wouldn't have been my choice in casting. Mm. Like physically, he's the the figure that Perrin needs to be. But I feel like, in terms of like how he speaks, uh, that doesn't ring true for me. I didn't notice it that much because he doesn't get that much yeah. screen time. So he, you know, the the show it really isn't centered on him. Even in that final episode, he does. He really yeah, did he didn't nothing. do much. I mean, in the books, he's more stoic and he thinks a lot, mm. but he doesn't say too much. Mm. In the books, I feel like when he does speak, it's melodramatic and it's uh, over the top and uh, it's forced. And yeah, yeah, I, I, I feel that too. Yeah, mm. and it, stick, it still sticks with me that I love you. It's this. It's cringe. It is actual cringe. Yeah, I actually laughed when. Yeah, uh, yeah, when me too. I was like, died. oh no, I, I cringed. I didn't laugh. I, I was, cringed. Well, <laughs> I, I laughed. At, I didn't like laugh because it's so funny. I just laughed at how ridiculous the scene was. I think there was a better way, definitely, but like uh, you know, I think because it's kind of like then it kind of makes me question like why did they bring up why did they construct a wife pregnant wife character when his story arc wasn't even that significant anyway in the scope uh, of it yeah yeah it's almost like they didn't understand and i'm obviously going to give the benefit of a doubt to a book i never read but obviously the author had a point with this story whatever storyline he had it almost felt like the showrunners didn't really understand why the author chose this storyline so they need to invent their own 
reason, mm. if that makes I, sense. I mean, I can kind of see because there is this massive uh, theme throughout of him. I've exp- talked about it before, the, like the non-violence theme mm, of like, mm. what's the point of an axe when all we can do is take life? Mm, mm. So he's almost like a philosopher king, not to be yeah. too much in terms of my uh, my reveal about the, the future. But his arc is like, his arc when it concerns the the difference between an axe and a hammer mm, mm. spans the whole series uh, and it okay. doesn't get resolved okay. until like near Tarmon Gaidon, near the yeah. very end. So like book 13, 14 is what we're talking about. So he has this kind of question that he can't solve for the whole series. Mm. So maybe they need to lend that more significance by making it that the axe killed his wife and his unborn child. Yeah. It's it's very interesting because there's a lot of contradictions. <laughs> so, you know, violence also helped him save his friend and mm. get them and you know get them escape. Obviously, yeah. no one's going to bring that up with him because it goes against the character's thought process right mm. now yeah. or like where the show wants to go. Like cuz you you could easily have a scene for for two people who spent a lot of time together, they really don't get much time to strengthen their bond, which is between Egwene and Perrin. Yeah. Like, they don't really talk that much. And you could have at least had a scene where Egwene goes, you know, sometimes, uh, like, violence is, a, uh, is used for defense, and we have to. Like, if it weren't for you, I would, we would both be dead. Mm. And I think that was, you know... Something they kind of did small bits of that throughout. Like right. at the end, he kind of has that realization of like fuck the way of the leaf or whatever like that. Yeah, but, but it seems still... again, it seems a little bit empty. Yeah, like that. That isn't something that stems from. Well, first of all, he doesn't really take an action that that co- coincides Nothing came with of that. that. He just watched these things. Yeah, happen. yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, I I'm still hopeful for the next season. I, I think am too. There's room to grow as long as they learn from the mistakes and they listen to their critics. I think. <laughs> With a with an open mind, I think they'll have. Uh, I think it'll, there's a lot of source material to draw on, mm, and this mm. series, in terms of the book series, only gets better with each book, more or less. I hope that Moraine is continues to be a key focus in the next season. Yeah. I'll give a prediction. <laughs> Let's see. <laughs> I think Egwene will join the Aes Sedai. It's a fair prediction. Yeah. And uh, hmm, what color does she go into? Let's see. Mm. Mm. I don't know many of the other colors, but maybe she goes oh, with you the, the yellow one. You? So yeah, yeah. Can you explain all so the other blue ones? blue are the ones that focus on causes in the world. Mm-hmm. So like you know, they take on missions and yeah. stuff. Yeah, and they're, they the activists, you could say, and they're the secrets. Yeah, people, yeah. that's apparently. a bit of a that's a bit of a, a misnomer, I think. Oh, uh, okay. I think that's a little bit off. They is have that, their own causes, their own agendas, but uh-huh. I think Secret Keeper is a little bit of a reduction of what their scope is. Is that not in the books? Or is no, that... it's not in the books. Oh. They're always considered, the blue ajar is considered the ones focused with causes. Yeah, I yeah. see. Okay. So the, the blue are causes, the red are trying to get rid of men that can they channel, protect <laughs> the world from men that can mm, channel. Mm. Uh, the greens are the battle ajar, they're the ones that like fight. Yeah. The yellow are the healers, the white are the philosophers. And the grey are the diplomats, the advocates. They're the ones that go to like countries and try to talk between kings and negotiate peace what? and stuff. Yeah. Okay, so we don't see grey or no. white. But you don't see grey or white at all to begin with until they start to develop the politics of the tower, which mm. they tried to do in a bit of this, but at the same time, they didn't have enough time to do anything that was meaningful. That's so interesting because uh, why don't we see them in like the kingdoms that we've seen so far? Because like, they the, haven't uh, really been established that well either like one of the things they missed out from the first series mm. from the first from the first book that they could have adapted into the second series was they 
Matt and Rand actually go to one of the big main cities called Camelon. And Camelon, there's a queen, Queen Morgase, who has an advisor. And it's always meant to be the tradition that their princess or their queen first goes to study with the Tav- with Tavalon mm. and learn enough about that. Even if they can't channel or they don't mm. have the capacity to be a full Aes Sedai, they still at least go through an initiatory experience there. So they have this relationship, Tavalon, with Camelon. Mm. Mm. And when, Matt go- when Rand goes, he actually encounters the princess of Camelon and he gets close with her and her brother. And she's a major plot point. She's a major character for the rest of the series. But they've completely lacked that and missed that out. Maybe season two. It maybe. will, be. It will yeah. be. I think she'll come to the tower and like engage with a queen or something like that. I see. I see. Okay. Well, But then you see the relationship Tarvalon has with the world through this kingdom and through the Queen Morghese, which you don't really get an idea without. You have to take their word for it. And again, like this same thing is like this pretense of, oh, trust us. This is what we say happens yeah. as opposed to seeing it for yourself uh, yeah. and being absorbed in it. I think then Egwene might join the blue. I think she'll join the blue because she works <laughs> under. She she's seen like she's so like inspired by uh, Moraine. Yeah, you know yeah. that's so, a that's a good guess. But again, okay, that's okay. there's more to it than that. I won't give you any more spoilers because right, her right. story is actually uh, yeah, yeah interesting. Okay. I good. see. The idea of the Aes Sedai reminds me of the role of another sh- reminds me of a group of people in a different show that we're both currently watching oh The Witcher The Witcher The Mages yeah, yeah, the yeah. Mages. that's kind of it because they are Mages in a sense they yeah. just go by a more um, Mage is more the archetype yes. where Aes Sedai are, are the more kind of concrete version of Mages yes. in this world yeah they, they are technically the Mages but yeah. yeah it's in the world of The Witcher they have a similar similar role in the universe of the yeah. story. Similar institution where they go there to yes. train, similar centralized aspect to that, and they all kind of influence. advise different. Yeah, they go kingdoms. out and they. I think what's not really properly developed in this series is that Tarvalon is essentially the main power within the world. It's like the central right. governance the, the to king's, the whole world. King's Landing, essentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All these little kingdoms exist, but they exist under the the supervising the rule eye of. of uh, the Aes Sedai. Aes Sedai. So but the Aes Sedai are the kings? More or less, but it's more like a matriarchy as opposed to a patriarchy. Right. So they're the queens, you could say. That's wild because what are the white cloaks? The because white cloaks are this separate faction of religious fanatics. And they're against the witches, but again, they're not that powerful to begin with. That's so interesting because... For the show, it yeah. seems like the sh- in the show, like the Aes Sedai are the minority. Well, that's kind of a theme throughout the book is that if you compare 3,000 years ago, that cutscene back, the Aes Sedai were like the central uh, body. They were the authority. The power is gone. Yeah. Basically. They've, they're losing They're slowly grip. decaying in terms of their ability to control. I see. I so see. They're, they're, they're not as strong as they once were. Mm. They were centralized. But then since this time and as things has changed... They're no longer as strong as they once were. They and hint- so the white cloaks, cloaks come out as more of a uh, a thorn. To Interesting, deal with. Yeah. because they hint at that with Moraine's talk, bedside talk with yeah. uh, the Amaryllin yeah. Amaryl Sea. Yeah. yeah, who is I agree with Moraine or some other person? I think someone from the Blues. She's losing her touch, like she's losing sight. But maybe so. Obviously, they frame it as because they're so focused on this dark one thing that they're losing sight of like their control on the people. Um, so that's interesting. I, I'm interested to see them pro- like kind of progress that mm. if they do. Obviously, with that seer, the oracle person, she's like 
that person is going to destroy you. So that's interesting. Mm. That's interesting. They're meant to be lovers. Apparently, not in the books. I think they were lovers a long time ago. Uh, but even okay. lovers is probably a um, reduction. They were, they, yeah, they were referred to as pillow friends, uh, which means uh, okay, I think okay. it's like they were best friends. Yeah, they probably, like, yeah. Lent on each other because yeah. the. Their the partners. period of initiation into the White Tower is like one of the most challenging things yeah, you okay. experience. I it's see. arduous, and people like when you go through it in the second and third books, when uh, you know whoever <laughs> will not be named is going to go through their initiation, it's like brutal. And if you fuck up once, you go to a farm or you hard labor for like months at a time. Ah, it is brutal okay, what see. they put you through. So I think that then you need support. And so these mm. pillow friends are people, you know, you'd, you'd cry on their shoulder when you were suffering or mm. you'd, you'd, have, you'd form these intense, bond, intense bonds where you're best friends with someone and then best friends obviously can turn to a bit of, you know, yeah, romanticism. Not that's really romanticism, true. but at least some sexuality. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And that's always a scope I got from reading the books. That mm. These guys weren't like intense romantic lovers wrapped away, right. wrapped away in each other. They were just best friends. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. And they sense. agreed to do this important task, which was help the Dragon Reborn. Yeah. Uh, I think, for the most part, it, at the at the very least, if we're comparing the two shows, I think the Wheel of Time is actually more effective of a first season than the first season of The Witcher. Oh, yeah, definitely. The Witcher's is, first season was almost incomprehensible <laughs> due to that structure. It, it has so many interesting ideas, but didn't tell it in a very uh like like a concrete way yeah they didn't they didn't they didn't show the ideas as well as they yeah. could have they talked about them a lot and the law was there but again i think well the wheel of time did the same thing i think but i think it did it a little bit better mm. it didn't mm. fall prey to it as much as the witcher series did if yeah. you are interested we can talk about the second season when it's done yeah once we finish the witcher yeah sure yeah i might even play that game <laughs> oh yeah thanks for joining me yeah, thanks for having me uh yeah well until next time
times I see you standing to the side just out of sight.